Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Pond Hunter Broadcast from the Under the Sea Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Take a look into the world of koi ponds, water gardens, and the lifestyles of the aquatically obsessed. Meet the pros, hobbyists, and cover some no-nonsense pond advice straight from the field. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Here's your host, koi pond and water garden expert, Mike Gannon. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, welcome, everybody. Welcome to episode 25 of the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Mike Gannon. I'm happy to be here with all of you tonight. And this is a show in the pursuit of all things aquatically. If you are aquatically obsessed, if you love talking about ponds, koi, water gardening, water features, and anything aquatic, then your radio is tuned to the right frequency. And I hope you're all doing well tonight. I hope you're all doing great. I'm doing great. And we have a great show in store for you tonight. So things are great. Yes? Yes. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Tonight, we have a guest coming on and calling in from England. Tim Waddington is going to be joining us here tonight. Tim Waddington from Quality Nishkigoi and uh, TimWaddy.com will be with us to talk about concrete pond construction and some best practices for anyone considering a concrete pond installation. Tim is a professional pond installer and Japanese koi expert, so I'm sure we will talk koi a bit tonight as well. And uh, if you want to talk to Tim, remember, the number is 914-803-4557. Very easy. Just give a call. I'll put you through. 914-803-4557. And Tim will be with us in just a short while. I'm looking forward to getting some great information out there regarding concrete ponds. Um, This broadcast has tons of great information and guest experts from the world of pond keepers. If you guys want to hear a previous broadcast, you hear topics that you'd like to uh, hear about, they're there. They have some really great content and they can be found easily. You can find them on iTunes.com or iTunes, or you can go to blogtalkradio.com slash thepondhunter. You can listen to previous shows anytime on your computer, on your phone, on the smart device of your choice. And you can also connect with me on Twitter, slash the Pond Hunter, and all over the place, or Facebook. I'm always logged into Facebook during the show. If um, any of you guys want to send me a message, if you have a question or a comment, I would love to hear from you guys. So really looking forward to uh, getting Tim on here in just a little while. And, um, you know, it's a little bit cold out in my part of the world right now. The Northeast United States is still in a deep freeze. And you know what? Mid-February, that is not too much of a surprise. I have ice on my pond. I have snow on the ground. And my spring fever is really starting to kick in five, six weeks away, somewhere around there. Even though I love the cold weather, you know, 
it just um, after a while you kind of get ready for spring, and that's where I'm at. So how's your pond doing? I hope everybody is keeping an eye on their ponds this time of year. Don't leave your pond out in the cold. Make sure you're checking on your aerators, de-icers, and fish um, when you can see them, at least. Winter pond care is, is very important, pond keepers. This is not time off. You should be checking and enjoying your ponds, even in deep winter. My company, uh, Full Service Aquatics here in New Jersey, has been busy lately with our midwinter services for our pond customers. This is just a quick service that we do to be sure that everything is working well um, with the pond. We're checking on our customers' ponds to be sure everything's okay. Sometimes our customers really just can't even get out to their ponds, so we do it for them. And I love the service. Every year we save the lives of fish. We save equipment from failing, broken hearts in the spring, and we save broken checkbooks in the spring. And if you're a hobbyist and your local pond professional offers a midwinter service, I I highly recommend taking advantage of it. It's the least expensive service with probably the most payback for sure. Um, I stopped at a pond two days ago, just a routine midwinter service. I stopped and saw that the airline on this pond had frozen. The air pump was, was pushing hard. I mean, it was fine, nothing, but there was nothing getting through. And if I had not seen this, the air pump definitely would have burned out. That's 300 bucks right there. But even worse, the fish probably would have, been di- would have died. And that's a several thousand dollar problem. Massive heartbreak for customers. And um, this little cheap midwinter service was a disaster averted. If not for that service, I would have gotten a much different phone call within a day or so. So talk to your local pond pros, everybody. Their services are not just for nice weather months. They are just as important for winter pond care as well. So don't forget about these guys. Um, if you want some great tips on winter pond care, you got to check out the last Pond Hunter radio broadcast, episode 24. My guest was Demi Fortuna. He's the owner of August Moon Designs out of Long Island, New York. Um, He's also the president of the IPPCA, the International Professional Pond Companies Association, and as a representative for Atlantic Water Gardens as well. And uh, Demi came on the show and shared some really excellent information on winter pond care. I don't mean prepping your pond for winter. I mean caring for your pond during the winter, you know, winter pond care. If it's done right, it's actually really enjoyable. It's also a time of year that has a unique beauty, and it's fleeting. It's not here for very long. Um, So pond keepers should get some photos of it. Winter will be gone soon, let's hope at least. Uh, Again, five weeks away, countdown is on. So while we're still in the thick of winter, be sure to check out episode 24. And um, thanks to Demi Fortuna for coming on and sharing his expertise and winter pond care tips on that Pond Hunter radio broadcast. And on the next Pond Hunter, my guess is going to be Ellen Klobeck from Klobeck Koi Farm. And this is going to be a really cool show. Ellen is a koi breeder and owner of um, Klobeck Koi Farm. And she will be coming on to talk about koi varieties. And we'll even get into, you know, koi farming a bit. We're going to talk about that. I think that's pretty cool stuff. You know, as a pond guy, of course, I look at a koi farm. I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's pretty awesome stuff. So 
we could talk about that a little bit too. Ellen will be my guest, and uh, I am really looking forward to her uh, coming on and being here. Um, so be sure to tune in. That's going to be episode 26, the Pond Hunter Radio broadcast. That will be, this will be, it's going to be an awesome show. So make sure you guys are checking that out. Um, and Pond Pros, hey, Pond Pros, um, if you want to give your business a good kick in the ass, well, do it quick. Sign up for the Luckiest Day of Your Life webinar hosted by Steve Schinholzer from Premier Ponds. Steve is going to be sharing some excellent advice on taking your pond business to the next level. When is the Luckiest Day of Your Life webinar? Friday the 13th of all days. Uh, the webinar is this Friday, so don't delay. Sign up today. For more information, Pond Pros should go to aquascapeinc.com or visit Premier Ponds on Facebook. Um, we also have the Water Garden Expo coming up February 26th and 27th in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Um, it's another professional pond event where you can learn, network, share, have some fun um, in the pond industry with other pond people. And the event is free to attend. Um, there'll be, you know, probably 20 different sem seminars taught by leading industry experts. And if you guys want to find out more about that, go to wgexpo.com and you can find out all you need to know. Um, should be a cool event. I've never been there. One of these days I'm going to make it out there. There's a lot of koi shows coming up too. So it's kind of like that time of year. Any groups, clubs, organizations that would like the events to be announced, let me know. I'm happy to share the information. It's a busy time of year. Uh, coming up in the world of ponds, and I love it. So, you know, let's get those things on your list of things that you need to do, and um, we'll have a nice end of winter, beginning of spring. So keep an eye out for those things. And um, coming up, everybody, stick around. We have Tim Waddington coming up, and we'll be going over best practices for concrete pond construction. Um, he'll be with us shortly. And we will be right back after a word from our sponsor, Full Service Aquatics. So stick around. And we'll be Do right you back. love your pond? Full Service Aquatics Water Garden and Koi Pond experts can give you a pond you can live with. Full Service Aquatics, an award-winning water garden, koi pond, and water feature design and installation firm, has been creating amazing aquatic environments since 1995. Got waterfall? Full Service Aquatics can make your old waterfall or pond look like new with our waterfall, koi pond, and water garden renovation and repair services. Visit FullServiceAquatics.com or call 908-277-6000 to speak with a Full Service Aquatics pond professional today. That's FullServiceAquatics.com or 908-277-6000. Full Service Aquatics, a pond you can live with. Visit LoveYourPond.com. That's FullServiceAquatics.com, everybody. Celebrating 20 years of services for New Jersey pond owners, a pond you can live with. Pond construction can manifest itself in many different ways. There is not any one way that is correct to build a pond. 
And if you plan correctly and filter your pond correctly, you can have a successful pond. And uh, how a pond is built and designed is completely upon the, the personality of the pond owner. Maybe it's a formal pond, concrete, um, a mud bottom pond, a liner pond, a rock and gravel pond, or even a DIY. How you build is really driven by your personality. They can all be successful with planning. I build ponds with EPDM liner, uh, flexible liner, rocks and gravel. That's the style of my pond, and it's what I build for my customers because it's what they enjoy as well. I don't really get calls for concrete pond construction because my style doesn't appeal to the person who enjoys a concrete-style pond or formal pond. And I say formal very loosely because not all concrete ponds are designed in a formal way. Formal pond design typically suggests straight lines, geometric shapes, for the vessel, like a square pond, rectangular, circular, half moon, those are all pretty typical formal shapes, and not all concrete ponds are formal in that respect, at least according to shape. Most of the concrete ponds I see and work with are free, form, or kidney shaped. Um, most of them tend to be partially or fully above ground as well, so my style of pond construction is different in how it's built and how it's filtered, but completely capable of housing big, amazing, colorful koi of any quality level, um, yeah, even, even a show-quality koi. And my guest tonight is a koi expert and a concrete pond construction expert. I've been following his work for some time now and, and love his installations and design. Owner of Quality Nishkigoi out of Warrington, England. And he's with us here tonight to share his expertise on koi and some best practices for concrete pond construction. Tim Waddington is with us tonight, calling in from England Early morning hours. Tim, are you on the line? I'm here, Mike. How are you? I'm doing very well, Tim. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. A little bit tired, but we'll get there. Great. Thanks for uh, calling in at uh, the early morning hours. <laughs> no problem at all. Great. How's the weather over there? Are you getting ready for spring? Mm, it's still quite cold at the moment, so we're not really. We normally starts to um, improve around about the end of March, so we've probably got another month of this yet. So, um, but luckily for me, I'm over in the states, and then I go to Japan most of March, so we're um, so I get away from the cold weather. Oh, good A little holiday, very nice. My daughter is heading over to England tomorrow. She's heading over. Oh, okay, cool. Where whereabouts? Liverpool. Oh right, yeah, very close by. Very close by. Yeah, yeah, she goes over there a couple times a year. So she, she's not looking forward to the weather exactly. No. <laughs> but I think it's probably not too much different than what we have over here. Yeah, probably not, probably not. Yeah, so that's cool. You're, you're going to be heading out to the All Japan Koi Show, is that correct? No, no, that's been, that's already been, um, the All Japan Koi Show has been. I go back over to Japan to get um, new stock. Oh, Ready okay, that's right. The Koi Show was just a couple weeks ago. If, if yeah, that's either. right, yeah. Right. Okay, very good. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've never been to Japan. I would I'd love to make it out there one of these days. I only hear good things about it. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic place. We're lucky to do what we yeah. do, really, to, to get to travel over there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. We, we really are lucky to be in such a, a wonderful industry that uh, does. Yeah. It takes you to amazing places like Japan and, and all over the place. Yeah, it does. But, um, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so tonight we're going to talk about concrete pond construction, the best practices. But first, um, let's talk about your company, Quality Koi. Uh, that's over in Warrington, England? Yeah. 
How far is that from Liverpool? <laughs> well, we're, we're virtually in the middle of um, Liverpool and Manchester, which are two of the biggest cities up in the north of England. Um, so, you know, we're probably about 20 minutes from each one of them, really. So, you know, we are quite central in the UK, but we export all over. Well, we export in Europe, we export to the States, we export to South Africa, places like that. So, you know, these days with the internet and stuff, it doesn't really make much difference where you are. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. And, and your place, I've only seen pictures of it, but your place looks looks pretty amazing. And um, yeah, I was reading a little we, bit we, about it. We're invest, we, you know, we invest in growth all the time, so we're trying to. We are expanding. Um, we've expanded around about three times now in the last three years. So, you know, contrary to the belief of the recession and stuff like that, we are still managing to, you know, to get good growth in our business. That's great. Yeah, that really is. Um, More people building ponds, which is great. Yeah, I. That's good news to my ears. For sure. Yeah. So that's interesting. So over in England, there's there's kind of an uptick in pond construction, which hopefully, of course, is going to lead to uh, better sales for for koi fish. But you're shipping all over the world, like you had yeah. said. Um, where what's like one of the most unusual places that you ship to? Well, you know, we, we, we probably to be honest with you, it's, um, probably South Africa for us because it, you know it's such a far place. You know you. You know, when you, when you consider that we um, buy the koi from Japan, then ship them back to the UK, and then ship them b- back over to um, South Africa, it is you know it's a long tr- long travel for the koi. But sometimes when you're dealing in the very high end, um, the koi, the shipping really isn't doesn't really come into the equation. You know, people just want the best fish, and that's what we do. We go to Japan and try and source these fish for each customer. And it's like you know what you said earlier with the pond is that is that every customer is different and every customer wants something different, especially in the, the koi, the, the spectrum is massive. So from people who can, you know, who want to buy fish for $5 and put them in the pond and there's people that want to spend up to $50,000 and put these fish in the pond, you know, it's such a massive scope within the industry, you know, and, and there's something to try and suit everybody, if you like. Yeah, sure. Now, do you deal specifically with Japanese koi, or do, do you also sell uh, domestic koi? Or you know? no, I I only deal with Japanese fish. I don't, you know, we we travel to Japan around about three times a year to pick our stock. Um, we yeah. actually take customers over with us as well, um, so they can buy their own stock. Um, but yeah, we we are with Japanese only. Okay, that's great. Um, have you have any interesting stories about your fish? Any of them champion, or have they won any shows? Yeah, yeah, we were over one of our customers in South Africa. Um, they just won a major show um, in Nagoka Prefecture, which is one of the places where we buy our koi from. It was um, they won an award, which is um, called the Best Tatigoi Award, which um, sort of like translated is the koi with the very good future ahead of it, which um, the Japanese breeders, they voted on this, and then we got that, and then we got the best overseas entry as well, which was it was a very big um, award for us and our client. So we do, we win them all over the world. We've supplied grand champions to America, South Africa, um, all over Europe, yeah. England. So, yeah, it's, you know, we, we have, we've got a, a good record. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations to your customers too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you d- you deal with koi. You also um, at your your store you have a full line of dry goods. You you do all yep. pond supplies and, and yep. foods and filters and, and everything. If I understand yep. it correct. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do the full the full koi range. Yeah. Yeah, and the website is qualitynishkigoi.com or uh, timwadi.com. Same thing. That's right. right. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Timwadi.com or qualitynishkigoi.com. Great. Those are both easy to remember. I hope people go and visit. Um, What got you into koi keeping? Um, I've done it all my life. You know, I, I come from a family business. Um, which unfortunately finished, you know, probably around about the 2008 mark. Um, and then after a few years, um, I went on my own. Um, and then we've got to this stage, really. So, you know, it's something I've always done. I've always done this as a as a job, really. I wasn't – a lot of people turn from koi keepers and then they, they'll turn into koi dealers, but I've only ever done it professionally. So, Okay. Um, now, forgive and me. That, that's really... uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Are you – uh, you said it's a family business. Are you related to Peter Waddington? Yeah, yeah, that's correct, yeah. Okay. Cool. What's the relation? That's my father. Oh, <laughs> okay. That makes sense. I've uh, had your dad on this show. <laughs> oh, right, okay, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, that's great. Now I got you both. Now I just got to get uh, your mom on the show, and, and we'll be uh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, not for Koi, well, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, that's that's cool. So it's, so you've always essentially you've always been doing this. Um, yeah, that's and, right. And yeah, now, so, you, so your love of koi, uh, probably starting as a hobby, has taken you into the business side of of koi and ponds. And and a part of your business is actually um, installing and constructing ponds. Yeah, that's correct. And I've seen yeah. the, you you build ponds from fifteen hundred gallons up to thirty five thousand gallons. So, I mean, yeah, you, that's you right. Yeah, well, a, you know, any any size pond, a, we'll, you know, we will we will try and build a, you know, to whatever the customer needs, you know, from small or big, you know, it makes no difference. We will 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 do whichever one that people want. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what's the most popular size pond that you install? Well, to be honest with you, the, you know, people think that you know, with with the koi, you don't need you don't need to have these incredibly large spaces for the the you know you can do it. On any size, um, on any size pond, really, you know, s- small fish grow better in a smaller environment until they get to a certain size, and you move them on to a bigger environment. But we would, I would say, we our ponds range from sort of like two thousand gallons to five to six thousand gallons mainly. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's, and that's, that's sort of like an average. To, right, and that's similar to what I build. That that's probably about the same size range would be the yeah. the most popular ponds. Um, I yeah. noticed that a lot of your ponds are partially above ground and yeah. below ground. I, I pretty much just do below ground, and they're mostly formal in design. Is yeah, there, I think what you said and, at the beginning of the show. I mean, it's everybody's different, and in England nowadays, that you know, people they have children, and everything it factors in that the, the ponds have to fit perfectly to the house they have to fit to, to suit the house and to suit the garden and a lot of people now with the children they like to build them up in case of any accidents that's all yeah funny i'm looking at pictures of some of your projects and i i saw one where you're passing the filters over the roof of the house <laughs> yeah we do that yeah I, we've, we've I, had to get cranes involved in some of the jobs that we do just to try and get the equipment over to where the pond is going to go yeah i love that you, you just you get it done no matter what <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we've wheelbarrowed. Yeah. You know, we've we've probably wheelbarrowed thirty tons of of soil and topsoil out of through people's houses in the past because there's no other access. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, when when you're building 
a formal pond or a concrete pond, is there an advantage to having it partially above ground? I just noticed because nope. I mean I work with all sorts of ponds, so of course yeah. some some of the ponds I work with are formal, and al- yeah. almost all of them are are partially above ground. So I, I've always wondered if there's an advantage to the pr- when nope. people are building them. Not really. So not, you know, not, not, my personal preference is to have the ponds in ground. I, you know, I prefer them like that. But like I said, nowadays, a lot of people want windows nowadays in the ponds. Probably around about yeah. 80% of our clients uh, want a window in the pond. So that's why they come out of the ground, um, you know, whether they okay. have an infinity window or just a window in the side of the pond. But that's probably probably the new trend at the moment now. It really is. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that, and it's, it's a very cool um, feature to have on, on a pond. Yeah, it, it really is, is definitely, and a lot of people want to do that now. So once you kind of create the design for a pond, um, let's let's walk through it. The first step, uh, I would say, obviously, is going to be digging the pond out and excavating the area. What, yeah, you need, how, to, you need to find the size. Excavate, right, so so walk me through that a little bit. Once you've decided on the, the size for the right backyard, um, and you start digging, what, what type of depths, what type of, um, what are the dimensions that you're going for? Well, we're just trying to get the biggest, we're, we're trying to get the biggest area into the, into a space where whichever space we've got, you know, because a lot of these places now, especially when people are buying new build houses, that everything's very generic, everything is the same, and, um, and we've got to suit the brick, we've got to suit the brick of the house, we've got to make sure that the pond, you know, you, you, there's no point having a Japanese style garden pond in a brand new build house, you know, it's just going to look stupid. So we've just got to look at that and then we've got to make sure that the customer's happy with that. Um, and then the, the, the thing is, you see, you, you, the size of the pond goes off what filtration you're going to use. I mean, all our ponds are bottom drain fed. Um, if we're going to yeah. build a pond, we'll only, use, we'll only build ponds here now with bottom drains, you see. So you go to a size where you can use one bottom drain, one bottom drain to one filter, and then you go to the next size. If you go too big, then you're going to need two bottom drains, which then doubles the cost of the filtration equipment. Ah. Um, then you can sure. go to three, four drains, you know. So this is, you know, this is what we've got to look at. We've got to look at the budgets first. We've got to make sure that the the size of the pond is correct for the, the filters that we're putting on and to make sure that the size, the filters can cope with the size of the pond. So it's not, it's not as, you know, it's not just a, as you well know, it's not just dig a hole and fill it with water. You know, there is quite a bit more goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. What would be a, an average depth um, that you do for your the ponds that you build? We do five feet. Five feet. And, okay. you know, we're just finishing and up then, one um, now, which is seven and a half foot deep. So, you know, you, you, that's a bit excessive. But we, if we could get six foot on every build, that would we'd be very happy with that. Okay. Now, I... I and you just touched on it real quick. Now, when you're digging all this stuff out, yeah. I know that there's many yards over there that just don't have room for the material. What do you do with, with the material that you excavate from the pond? Well, the, big, the biggest one, well, I would say, apart from labor, labor costing, is that getting rid of the spoil is probably the second most expensive part of building the koi pond. I mean, you know, people, until people put a, put a spade into the ground, they don't realize how much waste a pond will produce, you know, digging a hole, how much, you know, waste will produce, you know, and that's our main thing, getting rid of that. You know, normally we've got to either use, um, I don't know what you call them over there, we call them skips, which are just huge, big um, metal containers, then we fill those and they get taken away and that's it, you know, but some pond, you know, you, you're talking probably 
up to $200 per skip, and some ponds might need 20 of these. Wow, yeah. Yep. So, you know, so it's, it's a, but some ponds we go to, you know, and we've got easy access where we can get a machine into the job and we can we can lose the soil all the way around their property, you know, so it costs them absolutely nothing to get rid of it. So every, every job sure. is different, really. But on the new house builds, you know, we do we do run into a lot of expense just trying to get rid of the waste. Yeah, and we do too, of course. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess skips and dumpsters, as we call them, yeah. the, you know, we use the same methods to, to deal with those things. Um, now, okay, so once you've done your excavation, you know, you, you've consulted, you have the, the design concept, you've dug everything yeah. out. Um, mm-hmm. What's the next step as far as in, in creating the form of the pond? Or do you use rebar um, or no, concrete blocks? Like, how do you shape the pond? What we do first is we've got the hole there in the, in the, you know, we've got the hole in the garden there. And what we do first is we lay a concrete base. And what we do is we, okay. in the concrete base, we ask to put in fines, which are sort of like tiny little fiberglass strands. And that gets poured into the concrete, which makes the concrete pretty much super strong. So we don't really have to go through the rebar. I mean, some people do, don't get me wrong, some people do use the rebar. Um, but we don't, you know, because we think that the fines are, are quite strong. I mean, the actual dispersion of water in a pond, the numbers never add up for a structural uh, for structural designers or anything like that. So water is a very strange thing to um, to get any equation correct. Um, but as long as it's, as long as we what we do is we add a six inch base of concrete, and then we put the bottom drain, which is a ten inch unit, a ten inch circle. Um, which is probably about six inches high, and we run four-inch pipe from that, and we lay that onto the first layer of the concrete, and then we'll put another layer of concrete to cover that drain, which is then totally encased in the concrete. So and then we build off the we build off the base. Okay. So all all the plumbing goes. You lay your concrete. You lay in your plumbing. You get everything, and then you concrete over that. Yeah, we put the bottom drain in, and then depending on how many returns were going back into the pond, we will put them in as the block gets built up to the sides. We, we, we'll put maybe, you know, depending on the size of the pond, say if we're going to put two return lines in, we'll put one down at the bottom, six inches off the bottom on one, one side, and then we'll put another one six inches off the top on the other side to get the most important part of building a pond for me is the flow rate of the system. If you can't, if you can't get the flow rate correct, then the pond's pretty much useless. Okay. So you're so working on the sure flow rate. Spinning. And then is there a certain um, flow pattern that you're trying to create too within the pond yeah. as far as how we the water sm- We need smooth lines. We need it to go around. If you imagine, you know, if you imagine um, a vortex, so what we need to do is we need that bottom drain is our plug at the bottom in the, the center to the pond, and that's our plug. And we want the water to move either clockwise or anti-clockwise to make sure that our vortex, the center of our vortex, is the bottom drain. So what you're doing is you're pushing all the water around in the same direction. And then eventually all the muck will just turn and vortex right into the bottom of drain, into the bottom drain, which makes the pond extremely efficient. But not only that, it keeps the koi very healthy because they're swimming against the flow. They're getting good exercise. Okay. Yeah. So that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, yeah. um, bottom drains, you know, there, there's bottom drains are controversial in some ways. Um, and I see there's a lot of people, 
you know, I'm, I'm on Facebook a lot. I see these different groups that people are involved with. And when people are getting into the hobby, they almost always have questions about the bottom drain. Yeah. And um, how would you define, like, what is a bottom drain exactly? Oh, for some strange reason, people think that these, that, that, you know, that it's so daunting to install a bottom drain in a pond. I mean, if you've got bottom drainage, then you don't need any more pipes in that in that pond. You don't need, you know, people have a pump in the pond and then they've got a pipe coming out of the pond and stuff like that. You take away all that. And then what you're doing is you, you make the pond a lot more efficient and a lot more effective with a bottom drain system. I mean, you know, for, for say, you know, today I had a client who came in and bought the setup to make his bottom drain unit and he had one um with an air dome on the top where it actual oxid well air will disperse from the drain um and i think that cost him probably about 250 dollars and that was for the full setup so it's not even an expensive when you're looking at the big picture to actually put the bottom drains in but it, all it does is it makes the system into a gravity fed system whereas the filter system must be the the water in there must be the same level as what's in the pond. So it gives you, the only extra headache it will give you is having to house the filter systems as well as build the pond. Okay. But um, for me, it, so makes pond, so it makes it 100% efficient. Essentially, the bottom drain is, is a piece of, it's a piece of plumbing um, yeah. on the bottom. Um, yeah, now, when it's drawing rain. the water, when it's drawing water in from around it, I know yeah, that right. um, so, it's supposed to be drawing in debris. Now, how yes, far, so, if you have a bottom drain, how far yeah. out will that draw debris from? So I, well, I know it's not thing. sucking it's, things from, yeah. from we, six what feet we, away. We call it, we bench our ponds. Um, so okay. all the, the base, we bench our base. So say, if, you know, if we've got a one pond, one bottom drain pond, then we will make sure that all the, all the walls and the base of the pond lead into the drain. So it's sort of like a big dish on the bottom of the pond with the, everything falling into that drain. And what we've started doing now is that we put um, a bigger cap on top of the drain to so say it's like a 15-inch disc. And that will cause, even, and that's probably you know, running an inch off the bottom of the pond. And with that disc, it will pull in. The, you know, if we're using one bottom drain, we can use about 4,000 gallons and we can make sure that none of that, there's no muck on the base whatsoever. We can pull it all in on a 4,000-gallon pond using one bottom drain. Okay. So ideally, the, the bottom of the pond should slope towards the bottom drain. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, cool. And there's different types of bottom drains. You just mentioned uh, some of them uh, have aeration built yeah. into them. Yeah, um, we call them diffuser drains. I'm sorry, what do you call them? Diffuser drains, and they've got sort of they've got a, a rubber um, diffuser on the top, and then we just um, pump air down that line, um, and that's okay. it. And then it gives you, and also that acts as sort of like a bell system where the air flows up and then pushes the muck down. So that'll also help to take the muck away. Okay. Yeah, um, we're just trying to get, we're just trying to get all the muck into the filter. That's what we want. We want the, all all the waste needs to go into the filter. We don't want to see any on the bottom of the pond, and that's why we use the bottom drain. Okay. So, do they require maintenance? Do they get clogged? No, no, never, because you're okay. running on a on a 110 mil pipe. So, you know, it takes a lot to clog that sort of thing. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, in the ponds that some of the ponds that you build, where you put the rocks on the bottom and stuff like that, it would cause, you know it would cause a bit of a problem to fit that sort of system. But in the koi pond, 
system where there's nothing else in the pond. We don't use plants. We don't put anything in there. We just let the fish, do, you know, that's what they're, that's what they're living in, and, that, and they want to keep it nice and clear, and that's why we do that. Sure. So if now if, let's say a pond is in an area where the, you get a lot of um, leaves falling into the pond or a lot of debris, yep. would you still recommend using a bottom drain? Yep. Yeah, yeah, we still use okay. them now. I mean, you know, we've got um, one of the one of the larger ponds we built, which is around about thirty-two thousand gallons. What we did with that system is that on top of the drains, we had some stainless steel, um, what we call top hats made. Um, what we did, they were about the same size as a top hat, and what we did is we we drilled holes in there, and underneath there there was the diffuser as well. Um, so anything that came near that drain, like big leaves, it just blew it away. Uh, and blew it away from the drain to stop the leaves going into the filters. We also had skimmers on the system, which then took the leaves away as well. So, and then the customer did end up having to net a few of the leaves out. But you know, for the few months a year where the leaves will drop. But before then, yeah. we did have quite we did have a problem with the with the, all the leaves going into the filters. So it was clogging the filters up. But when we retrofitted the drains, it's, it works perfectly now. So we did get around it. But unfortunately, leaves okay. in any pond. Is going to be a problem. Oh yeah, sure. Mm. Um, now, if you do not have a bottom drain, does it mean that your pond will not be successful? Does does a no, bottom no. drain make? Okay. No, not at all. Not at all. You know, people use the, the. The only thing is, is that you've got the base of the pond, and if you're going to put a pump in a certain certain area of the pond, I mean, it isn't going to get as much drag as a bottom drain would. But some people put two pumps in the bottom of the pond, and that, and it will make it a lot more efficient. But just some people don't yeah. want equipment inside the pond. Right. Okay. So you can you can be successful without a bottom drain. Um, oh, but of course. A I mean, bottom drain you know, we use um, we use a lot of the Evolution Aqua um, equipment, and you know most of their gear now is all set up for for pump fed systems because probably ninety percent or more of the ponds built in the UK are pump fed systems. They're not bottom drain systems. Ah. Uh, okay. Cool. So, now, yeah, they are so efficient, no one, problem at all, you know. So you have your, your plumbing installed, you, you have your floor poured, you're building up the walls with concrete yep. block. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what do you put into the concrete blocks? Is it solid concrete block, or do you need to fill them once you have your walls constructed? No, no, we use solid, depending what size the pond is and where if the pond's going in the ground and some out the ground or whichever way we're going to do it is that we use solid we normally use nine before nine inch by four inch blocks and we lay them on the sides um which gives them which gives them more strength and that's what that's what we do you know it's um we don't normally have to use any bigger blocks than that the them they're they're fine for what we use as you're building those walls higher and higher do you backfill every now and then against the wall, or do you build your walls completely and then you backfill? Yeah, but also if you're laying the block on the side, you can you can make quite a good size freestanding unit, you know, without having to have strengtheners in there. Um, I just okay. built a four thousand gallon one, which is fifteen by um, fifteen by ten, um, and that's all that, that's all out of the ground. And there's no there's no strengthening or backfill needed. I just um, just built it straight out with the with the blocks on the side, and that's the one that I built at the shop. Oh, okay. I've mm. seen ponds um, described as as being a certain amount of tons. Um, yep. People say I have a, I have a ten ton pond. Now I yep. I honestly don't know how does that translate. If somebody has a five thousand gallon pond, what how many tons is that pond? 
we're going we're going um, we're going when every time I go to the states I always get um, I always get in trouble for either using the wrong imperial or metric system, um, <laughs> and this is and this is makes it even more complicated. Is that this is the, the Japanese system of working out your gallonage? Um, a ton of water is 220 gallons, UK gallons, okay. um, and that's what we work on. We work on mainly that for treatments, not not just for the size of the system. Is that we can work out? It's easier for us to work out if we're going to put a, a treatment in for the koi or anything like that. We can we can work out the dosage for this treatment better working in tons than we do because every you know some people work in liters, some people work in gallons, and we just you know in the industry part of the industry yeah. we work in tons and and I, I work in tons as well so uh, but yeah so 10 tons is 2200 gallons okay interesting um mm. now do you use liners at all i i've yeah. seen other people where they they build a concrete pond but they they still use in a rubber liner um yeah. underneath yeah they use uh, so that, welded liners as well practice? and that's that's a pretty standard practice Again, mostly, you know, way over 90% of all the, the ponds over here will use a, a rubber liner or a plastic liner. Um, some use the box welded liners, which are made to measure for ponds, which are great for square systems. Um, but, yeah, we, um, you know, we sell liners as well. So, you know, it is a very popular thing because it's a lot easier as well, and, it, and it's cheaper to use a liner. Um, and, you know, yeah. you know yourself, the, the butyl rubber liners now, you know, you're not going to rip them. So you know that they will last. They, they you know they will last a long time as well. Yeah, I mean a lot of them come with twenty-year warranties, forty-year uh -huh. life expectancy. Um, yeah. Now, do you ever have to coat the interior of the pond with a, like a rubber paint or anything like that? Do you use no, that as a method? No, all, all the ponds, the ponds that we do, uh, the, per, the ones that we do with the company, are we use fiberglass. We fiberglass our okay. ponds. Um, which is stronger, it's there forever, um, and it also takes out that sometimes when you're putting a liner in, you'll get flaps, um, and, you, you know, you'll get overhang on the liner, um, and sometimes after a few years, you know, things can grow behind there, so it, sometimes it's fine in a garden pond setup or in a nature, but when we're trying to do something different with the koi, because again, with the koi thing, everything's so different, because, you know, some ponds are built specifically for growth, some ponds are, are built just for show koi um, and some ponds are, are built just to, for people to enjoy a garden pond so every pond is different that what every every customer we have wants to do something different with their pond sure. so we, we tailor make it for what their needs are um, and we just prefer fiberglass it, you know um, and, that, and that's what we use we, we don't use the liners our, a lot of our customers who build their own systems they use liner of course you know and but we when we build we tend to use fiberglass yeah okay Good to know. That's a good tip. The other thing that we um, use as well, uh, Mike, is we put um, household insulation. Um, you know, the I don't know what you call it. We call it Kingspan. We've got a. It's a product called Kingspan. It's sort of like eight before eight foot before foot sheets, and they're about an inch thick. And it's sort of like a foam yeah. that people put in the houses. And we line the pond with that first, and then we fiberglass directly onto it, which also gives us some a couple of degrees warmer water. But also, we say oh. you can, we can fire the glass straight onto that as well, which makes it fantastic. Okay, so you're literally insulating your ponds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't put yeah, it on the base; cool. we just put it on the walls. But yeah, we can go straight onto that with the fiberglass, so it makes it makes it a lot easier. How long does it take for the concrete to dry for it to cure? 
Um, it, it, technically, it takes about 72 hours. So we normally leave it, you know, around about that time before we do the put the fiberglass on top. But depending on the weather, you know, if it's a lovely, you know, if it's a nice and warm, then it can it can be cured within two days. So you know, it's um, it is you know you don't a lot of these people they say oh you've got to leave it for weeks and weeks, but we never do. You know, it it dries it as soon as it's dry. We'll um, we'll add the fiberglass. It or build straight on it. You know, I've built on I've built ponds. I've I've laid the base one day and we'll put block on the next day. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's not really a long drawn out process necessarily. No, Cause I, no, no. I've, I've heard that. I've heard that feedback too. That sometimes you have to wait a long time for concrete to dry, and yeah, um, I guess that's that's just not the case so much. In the cold, you do. You know, the one of, one of the ponds we just finished at the shop, um, it did take a long time because it was in a de- you know with the condensation, it, it did take a little bit longer than usual. But like I said, thankfully we weren't rushing on this one. But yeah. Okay. Now, what about um, your pumping systems and filtration? So mm-hmm. with um, the type of systems that you're installing, you're using external pumping systems, so you're not yep. dropping a, a pump down into the pond itself. No. How do you configure those? How are those set up when you're doing your install? Well, again, we're using, with the bottom drain system, we, when I, I touched on it, it's a gravity system, and what, what happens is that the water will find its way down the bottom drain line, the four-inch pipe, into the filter. And what we're doing is we're putting a pump after the... If you can imagine a radiator system in a house, this is what we're doing, is that where the water's coming from the pond, there's a, there is an outlet from the pond into the filters, which is a 110-mil pipe. And then what we do mm-hmm. is that water will go into the filter. What we do is we put a pump straight after the filtration. And then what that does is causes the suction, and it, it drags the water from the pond. And then it just, and then we return it back into the pond. So all we're doing is looping water. It's a radiator. The pond is a radiator, and we've got a boiler, um, which is pumping the water around. That's all we're doing. Um, the, once you once you can get the concept, it's such a simple concept to to, to have, um, which is why yeah. I prefer the bottom drain units. You know, we just put, all we do is we put the pump after the filter, and then the pump the pump causes the suction from the bottom drain into the filter and it will just keep looping round and it, you know, hopefully gets every single bit of muck out of the pond into the filter. Okay. And when it comes to filtration, um, there's many ways, many types mm-hmm. of filters, many different mm-hmm. brands and everything. Um, yeah. How are you, um, before, actually, before we get to the filters, let's talk about the, the skimmers. So you do mm-hmm. use skimmers on your ponds as well. Yep. Um, so if I understand it, you're going to have a pump that's hooked up to your bottom drain or your series of bottom drains. And then yep. do you have a separate pump for your skimming or do you try to yeah. use one pump for the entire system? No, I mean, it's a, it, you, you can use one pump, but it does get a bit, it gets very complicated on the pipe work. And this day and age of these low wattage pumps that we can, that we can get now, what we do is we'll just put another, um, but there's two ways of doing the skimmer. You can pump a skimmer, um, which you, a lot of the skimmers now, they'll come standard with a basket inside. You imagine the swimming pool skimmers, that's what's mainly used on cutty ponds. Um, and okay. they've got a basket inside to catch the leaves and stuff like that. So all people do is just put them on a recirculating pump and that's it. You know, they'll take it out of the skimmer and then pump it back into the pond. On some of the, some of the jobs that we do, we use gravity skimmers where we'll have a, a, ma- a made, a custom-made skimmer which sits on um, a concrete block so it fits perfectly in situ. And then what we'll do is we'll gravity with a three or four inch 
line out at the back of it into another filter so we can get even more extra filtration. And again, a, a skimmer is a very good way of putting flow back into the pond. We can, okay. you know, we can really pump some water around with a skimmer. Now, is there any method to installing skimmers? Do you install them every, you know, X amount of feet? You know, or how, how do you use skimmers? Again, it's, um, again, it's your, sort of like, your... you know, we, we use a rule where if it's up to one bottom drain, which we, we try and work on about 4,000 gallons, is that we'll use one skimmer. Again, it, it also depends on the shape of the pond. And the flow of the pond. So if the move, if the if you if you can move the water around, so it passes by the skimmer all the time, then you, you only need one skimmer in there. Okay. Again, but if the pond's so too the big, then we're going we're going to need two. We might need one on each side. Yep. So the shape of the pond, and I think this goes for any type of pond, can really yep. affect how well the pond functions. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. You, People make these L-shaped ponds, you know, and they'll sort of like, you know, which are, it looks superb on the houses and stuff like that, but you'll have sort of like a, a one 10-inch side, a, sorry, 10-foot side, and then you'll go down another 20-foot on an L-shape, you know, and it, it's so difficult to be able to move the water in those systems because once you start getting yeah. dead spots, that's when bacteria starts to grow and it starts to just sit there, you know, and, that, and that's what you don't want. You don't want any dead spots in the pond. Yeah, I have an L-shaped pond that I, I work on um, for yeah. a customer of mine, and, and it, it's exactly how you're describing it. A lot of mm -hmm. dead spots. We get a lot yeah. of algae. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of issues with it. I'm trying to get yeah. her to uh, make some upgrades. <laughs> yeah, if you can put more it's flow not... in there, it'll work. You know, what, what we normally tend to do is split them into two ponds, and, we, we, you know, we'll, we'll try and, we, we try and use the flow in, the two, in two ponds rather than one pond, and that sort of normally does the trick. Yeah. All right. Cool. And skimmers are, you know, they're easy maintenance, easy to take care of. Um, yep. But I, I think skimmers are a very important part of any type of pond system yep. um, for the overall efficiency and health of the water. It helps in circulation. And clarity, clarity, so they things. make a big difference on the clarity because something that you can't see all the time is sort of like there'll be a film on the top of the water and it makes it look a little bit hazy sometimes. But with a skimmer, you, you, you don't have ever effect for that. So you'll always see nice, clear water. So it helps tremendously. Now, so once you, you have your skimmers and everything, now let's talk about the, the filters. What, what would be a, a typical filter system that you would recommend, um, you know, for the ponds that you're working on? Yeah, and all, all my Where, systems, all my systems and all the, the ponds that we build, I mean, it's, the, it's mainly it's the only filter that we, we do sell and fit are the um, Evolution Aquanexa series filters. Okay. So you've got three different yep. sizes. You've got one which they call an easy pod, which will do up to sort of like 10,000 litres um, or 2,000 gallons, something like that. And then you go up to the Nexus 220, and then which will do up to sort of like 4,000 gallons. And then they do the 320, which will do up to 7,000 gallons. So, Yeah, pretty powerful filters. They um, are, and the, the, I did the thing is with them, they're tried and tested, and that's why, we, that's why we use them. We use them at the shop, we use them for our own fish, and we also install them. They're tried and tested, and they're easy, and that's why we use them. You know, it's one of these things where back, if you go back 15, 20 years ago, you know, you had to build a third of the, the pond, and then you had to build another third the size of the pond just to house the filters, but nowadays you can do it in a much smaller. Yeah, smaller footprint. I did notice on one of the um, projects that you listed that you, there was a Baki shower on one of them. Yep. Yep. 
Is that all, is that extradition. popular over there in England? They are, but you know, and, and I think what people do is that they strive for a lot of people. They strive for to make the ponds more perfect. And again, it's sort of like you'll find that the people who use backy showers are people that are showing the koi, um, and they want to condition them differently um, to something like you know the downsides to a backy shower is that they are quite noisy. So when you get them on the side of the pond you don't realise until you turn it off that you're actually shouting to each other beforehand type thing. So, you know, and I think if you build the pond right the first time, you shouldn't really have to add too many add-ons to it sometimes. You know, you, could, you yeah. know yourself, there's a new product comes out every week, you know, and, and there's some customers oh, yeah. that, that want those products, you know, and they're, they're sort of like these people with gadgets and stuff like that. They need to have the new things on their ponds and people swap and change all the time, you know, and again, that's just another side of the hobby and, another direction that some people take. Yeah. Yeah. There is new stuff coming out, new brands coming out. Yeah. Um, do you utilize pressure filters at all? Well, we don't, we never used to, but now there's again, the same company that we use, which is Evolution Acre, they, they brought out one, what a, a filter system, basically the, the filter system is only as good as the media that they use in the filter. Um, and the, what we use is the K1, um, which is what the Nexuses use. And now what they've done is they've brought out a mini version of this K1, which has got massive surface area. And that they've put that into sort of like a, a pressure filter, which is, you know, like a bead filter that you have in the States. And what they've done is they've, they've put this in there. And we trialed it for them and um, because I was never a fan of the bead system um, and what it was. And they've trialed this now and we're having tremendous results with it. And we've actually got one running on one of our systems at work um, to try it out, and we're very happy with it now. We're probably selling more of those now. They only came out last year, but we're probably selling more of those now than we, we are doing the Nexus, which is um, which is incredible for such a short space of time. But again, it's the yeah. very, very small units, and the footprint is, is tiny to the amount of water that they will filter. Yeah. Um, yeah, because sometimes some, some filter systems can take up quite a bit of room. Um, exactly. I've seen – I have customers who have um, – separate little houses i'm sure you do yep. too for their filter mm -hmm. systems i mean a completely separate structure um just yep. to, kit, to have their filters now do yep. you utilize uh ultraviolet filtration yep. on your pond yeah we put uvs on every, on all of our ponds and that's mainly just you know to combat the green water because you know with the weather with the weather over here and, and you know mostly over in america as well you get the you get one day where it's lovely you know you'll get the the nice days during the day and then at night time it's freezing um and then one day you'll get rain you know the weather's so um erratic over here you know so what happens is that as soon as an algae algae bloom starts then it needs to be killed and um and that's what we use the uvs for okay do you, now when i use them i use them intermittently I, I don't run them full time year round do you use them in the same way or do you just connect them and let them run yeah, we just let them run. I mean, basically, you know, if we change the, the – they recommend to change the bulbs every six months, but what we do is we'll change it in March, and then by the time that the – you know, the, there isn't really much point in keeping them on over the winter because the bulbs aren't actually doing anything anyway. So, you know, but we just leave yeah. them anyway. You know, it's not, it's not a thing, you know, and, you know, people say turn them off when you put certain treatments in and stuff like that, but we, you'll never have enough UV on a system to ever affect the treatments that are going around in a pond anyway, so – but no, we use them. Right. They are, you know, they're, they're on all our systems. Okay. Now, can these ponds run year round, or does it get too yeah. cold? No, no, no. Because okay. I mean, you know, again, again, you know, if you build a pond deep enough to start with, 
then the fish will be fine. You know, they don't like it. They're not. They're not. They, they don't. They're not really bred to go down to these the, the temperatures. But you know, unfortunately, they, they do. You know, and and they, they will be fine. You know, people do lose fish over the, the winter months. But nowadays, as well, with new with new technology coming out for heating systems, um, you know, we're, we're using the new air source heat pump um, systems, which is sort of like the air conditioning units reverse. Um, right. And whereas they'll, they'll, you know, sort of like an eight and a half kilowatt unit will only take 1.5 kilowatts, but it, the power will it will make eight and a half kilowatts of power, um, which it makes it quite um, inexpensive now to heat ponds. So a lot of the customers over here, they do actually, you know, have, have heating systems on the ponds. Wow. Okay. That's great. So but it's again, really we're complete... going for a very small percentage. You know, you're talking over here, you know, your, you know, when you build your water garden ponds and stuff like that, that'll be your main business. And, you know, it's very, very rare that somebody might come along and say, I want this fantastic state-of-the-art koi pond system. And that's the same in England. Right. You, know, nine, you know, everybody, you know, most of the people that come in and want a garden pond, and that's, you know, and that's fine, you know, but the ponds that we build, you know, we try and build about two ponds a year, and these are, you know, the, the top-of-the-range koi pond systems. That's what, you know, and we put all the, you know, all the um, extras on there and everything for them, so. Right. Now, how do you handle the filtration? Once you have the system set up, do you build filter houses? I guess it would depend on the customer, but yeah, what exactly. would be a typical scenario? We've gone off, the, we've gone off building the actual the, the houses nowadays. You know, I think it was a bit of a fad around the 90s time that people started doing that, building these separate the, the houses for. There's just no need for them anymore because the, the size of the systems, we can, you know, say a Nexus 320, say, you know, you need you need probably about a six foot square to house each filter. And we can put that everywhere. Right. We can put that anywhere, really, as long as it's in the ground, as long as you've got access to the valves on the bottom, we, you know, you can put them anywhere. So we can incorporate them to the side of a pond and we can put lids on top of them. We can put decking on top of them so you never see them. Um, we can hide them quite easily on a gravity pond and, and that's why we use them, you know, and, and the weatherproof and, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, anything gets wet, they could just be wiped down. So it's fine, you know, and that's what we tend to do now. We are staying away from these the houses, unless the customer specifically wants that. We will build them, you know, but the, we use like sort of like more filter pits than houses nowadays. I saw one uh, project you did that I thought was really interesting where you hid the filtration system underneath the seating area. Yeah, so it's kind right, of yeah. a, a protected seating area right next to the pond, which is just yeah. beautiful. And then underneath was all the filters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, is that, that the one with the um, hydraulic roof? That's yeah. the actual where where the seating was. We we put hydraulics on that as well, so it just moves up on the press of a button, and then they can go down and clean the filters, and and that's it. So yeah, yeah. you know, and your your designs are, um, I mean, they're not just uh, one way of building it. You have many different design styles. Um, yep. You have a lot of different edge treatments that you do. You have you have yep. ponds that are fully in the ground, ponds above mm -hmm. ground. You have a lot of different styles, um, yeah. and you even incorporate natural stone into some of your yeah. ponds. I, I saw yeah, yeah. waterfalls, stuff yeah. like that. Now, is the waterfall a popular element, or is that something is. that that's still it is okay? It, it, it depends again on the on the koi, on the on the, the the top end koi ponds. People don't tend to use them, um, but like I said, most ponds, you know, most garden ponds, they they all want a water waterfall and. and it's so difficult to actually incorporate a very good waterfall. I mean, you, you'll probably know yourself, you know, to, to, to build a waterfall is, is quite a big job. 
um, especially if you're doing it all out of rock and stone, if you're not using sort of like the um, the plastic ones that they sell nowadays, the ones that look like rocks, which again look very good. Um, but waterfalls, that, you know, they're not as popular as they used to be on the koi ponds, but they are certainly just as popular as ever on the garden ponds, but, you know, no problem at all. Yeah, I put waterfalls on, on pretty much all the ponds I build. I, yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the eye candy <laughs> for I the pond. So. Yeah, anything, you know, anything that um, flows water, I think it's fantastic, you know, and especially, you know, I've watched some of these play, some of the ponds on the YouTube, some of your ponds as well, where, where you put the, the big water courses in and stuff like that. You know, for me, I don't think there's anything better than that, you know, but a lot of the places now, they just don't have the room to incorporate that sort of stuff, especially over here. Yeah, sure. It really is a matter of whether you have the room or not. Exactly, um, yeah. So once you, you have your, your project kind of completed, you've excavated, you've poured your concrete, got your plumbing in, your filtration system, um, and people want to spend time by their ponds, I've, yeah. you can do pretty much anything around a concrete pond. You could have platforms and decks yeah. and seating mm-hmm. areas, patios. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, the more popular uh, features that people are asking for when they want to enjoy their ponds? I think, I think mainly every, everybody who starts to build a, a, a pond, or any pond, they, they want it as their, a garden showpiece. That's what they want. They want it as the center point to that garden. And then what happens is that, is that so what they want is when friends come round, they want this centerpiece to walk round or sit round and talk round. Um, and then what we find is that these people that built their ponds in the garden, and then they'll think, mm, well, I want a bigger one now. And then they'll build a bigger one. And then what they'll do is they'll yeah. buy, instead of having a few goldfish in there, they'll sort of like see down at one of the local stores, they'll say, oh, what are these koi? You know, and what they'll do then is they'll put a koi in there. And then they'll, yeah, I like these koi. They're, they're nice. They're growing big, but it's growing too big, so I need to build another pond now. And then it probably takes about three or four attempts, and then, you know, they get hooked on the on the koi thing, which, you know, it, once you do get hooked on that, you know, as your customers probably know, it's, you know, it's hard to get away from. Um, and then oh, they yeah. end up building these state-of-the-art systems. I mean, I know people now that used to have these, you know, beautiful ponds in the gardens and stuff like that, and now they have these total, you know, to be honest with you, they have total eyesores in their ponds now because it's not about the garden anymore, and it's not about having a pond as a centerpiece. Now it's all about the fish. So what they've done is they've yeah. built a pond for the fish, which now blends nothing into the garden. It absolutely looks just like four walls stuck up in the middle of a garden, which makes the garden look even <laughs> worse, you know, and it, and that it sort of like comes full circle from somebody wanting something beautiful to then coming back round all the way round to just having a, a holding system to to grow your fish on, and that's what and that's what people tend to do. But going back to the original question is that people just want them as a showpiece. That's what people want. They want to they want to entertain near the ponds, and they want to they want to sit down and relax and you know enjoy the pond, especially after work and stuff like that. They want to come down and have a drink by the pond, and that's what most of our customers do. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's been the same thing. I've been um, building ponds for almost 20 years now. Actually, this this yeah. March will be 20 years. Yeah, and, um, and, I, bet, you know, and I bet you've got a first, lot of customers really, that have had more than one. Oh yeah, yeah, it, mm. it's exactly that. A lot of them I've rebuilt two, three times, and they yeah. they always go bigger. <laughs> yeah, and eventually they all want somewhere to sit right next to the pond. So we're, yeah. we've gotten into, you know, to a small degree building patios and stuff like yeah. that for people to be able to just be right there with their ponds. And I, I yep. love seeing that. I love seeing that people get that much enjoyment and satisfaction out, out of it that they, they want to live by their ponds um, exactly. for as much of the year as they can. Yeah, it's and if you, get hooked on it, if you get hooked on the koi, then, you know, you, 
you know, you, 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 you're pretty much screwed because that they will take over your life. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good for you and me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, we, you know, we can, you know, we, we like it when that happens, you know, and, it, and it's also very, it's fun for us to watch it happen as well. You know, we'll see somebody come in who's not even had a pond and then, you know, over the years you see him develop and you see him develop and then they end up, you know, coming to Japan with you. And, you know, once it gets you, you know, it is, but like I say, you know, having something in your garden, I don't think anything beats that. Uh, I, I think I would think that a lot of people now, if they're looking for something to really give it a wow factor, you mentioned a little bit earlier, they want windows and viewing mm-hmm. panels built mm-hmm. into their ponds. Um, I would imagine there's got to be some pretty cool lighting systems that you you're using on ponds these days as well. Do you know there's um, not? I don't. I don't. We don't use lighting. Um, we don't use internal lighting. We use if we're going to light a system, we light it from the top. Um, because I don't, okay. I, I personally don't like, um, I don't think it shows the fish off to what they should look like, um, especially, you know, with the coir. I think underwater lighting, I don't think it makes them look as good as when you shine the, water, the lights on top of the system. And, and that's why we don't, we don't put internal lights in our systems. Okay. Um, but with the viewing panels, mm-hmm. walk me through that a little bit. What's involved with installing something like that? Because I I got to think it's not just a matter of putting it in. There has to be some securing that goes on. What? How yeah. do when you're installing those? What's the procedure? We use a stainless steel frame, which um, is the sort of like you know the width of the block. And what we do is we'll put the the frame in. We'll we'll set the frame into place. And then what we do is we fi- when we fiberglass the pond, we fiberglass around the insides of the frame as well, which secures which makes the frame part of the pond. Um, and then what we do then is we'll just put the glass, which has a, with the frame already has the um, the insert for the glass, and then we put the glass in there. We use we do use thick glass, you know. We'll use something like half inch um, to an inch, depending on what size the window is, and we'll also also use acrylics as well. Um, but yeah, and you put them in, and they will they're just as strong as the block, you know. They they are, and as long as the, the fiberglass in there, they are part of the pond. That that is the wall. Um, and with the fiberglass, you can use the, the so strong anyway, stronger than block anyway. So, you know, there's no safety issues with it. And we can the okay. better ones that I like are the infinity windows, which is the the ones where you, the, the 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 glass, the top of the glass is the actual top of the wall. So, you know, they do look cool. Yeah, that is very cool. And to maintain them, you just wipe them down every once in a while if you get a little bit yeah. of algae growing. Yeah, that's right. Great. You know, you know oh. yeah, go on. How long does it take uh, to build a pond? Say you're just doing a, a 5,000 gallon pond, one of the one of the more popular sizes. How long is the the entire process? Um, again, it depends on access. It depends on access um, to the site, um, and it also depends on how fast the customer wants it doing. I mean, the more manpower we have, is the quicker that we can do a pond. You know, we can we could we built I built a 4,000 gallon pond at the shop, and probably day days on that pond was probably five five days and we had that finished from that and that's okay. that's from the very first day of building it to the end of when we were filling it with water virtually so you know we can right. it could be as so, quick or as long as you can as, as long as you want and it, that's down to budget yeah that is that, it's a pretty quick process when people yeah. have the budget and you have access you know you yeah. may start on a monday and they have their pond by saturday yeah, so that's, that's it. You that's can do great. it, you know, especially with the excavator. If you can get a couple of excavators in there, then, you know, you can have the whole the, the, the whole dugout in half a day. Yeah. 
Now, what about the the cost? How much does it cost to build um, a pond, say the same size? You know, you're talking like a 5,000 gallon pond. What what would be if somebody's considering putting one in? How much are they looking at as far as an investment? We work out. We work out probably around about with the filters, with everything in there. Um, we we work towards something around about two pounds fifty to three pounds per gallon. So you're probably looking at round about, say, on the maximum side, four dollars a gallon. Okay. And that's if we build that's it, it ourselves. Now it is cheaper for somebody else to, you know, if you want to build it yourself. And you know, we do tell people that it's not as as big as a daunting process as that as, as it as it sounds to build the big pond. But the thing is, most people only will have a weekend to, to work on their systems, which is where then it starts to become a lot more expensive for those if they need to take time off work or something like that to finish the system. That's which, which, which where we come in. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you can understand my point of view when I say you should always hire a professional. <laughs> exactly. You should, if you want to get it and it's done, it's guaranteed then. Just get it done right, get it done the first mm-hmm. time, and yeah. it's always a worthwhile investment. I've, I've never had in all the years anybody come back to me and say you know what i just feel like i spent too much money on it i i think actually quite the opposite a lot of times customers feel like they got a terrific bargain and it's it's it has given them so much more than they ever thought that they would they would get out of it yeah i mean the the, so, the beauty of ours is that the people who build who want the proper koi pond doing are people that have built ponds in the past themselves and they've vowed never to do it again because you know, they might think that they're saving the saving money by doing it themselves and stuff like that, but in reality, they're, they're actually not. You know, it is. You know, it's probably cheaper in the long run. By the time that they fix mistakes and stuff like that, it's probably better to get a professional in there. It's probably better value to get a professional in there because they're going to do a better job anyway. So, you know, but you know, people do after they've built one pond themselves and then they want to upgrade again, they will turn around to us and say, "Look, we're not doing it again. So you can, will you please come and build my pond?" And that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. Well, yeah. you do a tremendous job. I've been a, a big fan of your work. I've been watching it for a long time. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show tonight, especially at, no you know early in the morning for you there. Um, no problem at all. And, and talking to us and, and sharing your expertise with us. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have anything you coming me. up that uh, anything coming up that people should be aware of? No, we've got like like I say we're we're back in Japan in March. Um, we're back in Japan in March, so it should um, all the new all the new fish come in there, and that's the sort of sort of like sparks off our sort of spring season. So, but no, nothing of any. You know, we're just going to keep on going, keep on going. We'll build some more ponds, and we'll sell some more fish. Great. Well, Tim, thank you very much again. Um, when you're stateside, if you have time, give me a call. I'd love to get together, and uh, I wish you very safe travels. And right. uh, best of luck in 2015, and, and I can't thank you enough. Thanks so much for sharing your time tonight. All right. Thanks, Mike. You bet. Take good care. We'll talk to you yep. soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. You're welcome. That was Tim Waddington, everybody, from Quality Nishki Goy, and his website is qualitynishkigoy.com. Or if you want something easier to remember, go to wadi.com, T-I-M. W-A-D-D-Y.com. He's an importer of Japanese koi, and he sells koi worldwide. And you can also catch Tim on Facebook as well. And um, take a look at his koi. Some of his koi are out there winning shows. He gets some some really excellent stuff. And um, check out his projects and everything. 
really a very talented builder and uh, a very um, just an expert at, at Koi. Thank you, Tim, so much for your excellent advice tonight. Thank you for coming on. And like we talked about, there's many approaches to pond construction. And I'm always using Facebook and other <clears throat> social platforms to kind of check out how ponds are being built around the world. And I see lots of ways that people go about doing it. And I think what's important to me is not how much people spent on their ponds. It's not how much it costs. It's not what it's made of. It's not that it's built of concrete or EPDM or clay. That doesn't really concern me um, as much as the heart of the person who is building it, especially when it's housing koi and goldfish. And uh, tonight was a really good look at how concrete ponds are built and how they can be successful ponds. And I may not build that way. It's not my cup of tea, as they say in England, um, but, um, but I enjoy them very much. Um, I, I think that they can be really beautiful. I'm, I'm into a design that, for my, my ponds, that incorporates natural elements of stone, gravel, and plants, which is an ongoing debate in the pond world. There's still people who think there's a right way to build a pond and a wrong way to build a pond. And it's a debate I try to stay out of because I, I think it's kind of a, a pointless waste of energy because I, you know, I always feel like experience always outweighs a person with an opinion. And there's a lot of people with opinions out there. And um, in my experience, I go out there and I see every type of pond and I see many of them successful. I see a lot of them unsuccessful, concrete or liner. It really doesn't matter. It really depends on how it was built, who built it, and what the heck's going on. So again, these, these ponds, whether whatever the materials you're choosing, whatever form, style, whether it's formal or freeform or naturalistic, that is up to your personality. What do you like? What do you want to see? Do you want to see stone and gravel and plants? Or do you want to see concrete and straight lines and, and a formal design? They're both beautiful. They both have incredible elements, and they both can give you the same end result of a nice housing for your koi. So it can be successful no matter what the, the method that you choose. So how you build is really a matter of your personality. You can have uh, above-ground raised rectangular ponds. Uh, you can have the in-ground ponds. Um, the truth is they both work. That's the bottom line. Even though my way is the best, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it is pretty damn good, but I do acknowledge the other schools of thought, and uh, and I respect those who do it right. Um, so, with that said, let's all start thinking about spring, everybody. Winter was fun, but, you know, aren't we all kind of ready for spring at this point? I am. Uh, I, I got spring fever. I'm ready to go. So, uh, you know, it's only a few weeks out. And um, what else we got going? So remember, also only a few weeks out, two weeks from tonight, tune in to the next Pond Hunter radio broadcast. Ellen Klobeck is going to be on the show, and she's joining us to talk about koi varieties and some insight on koi farming. Um, that will be episode 26, you guys, so be there. You can find the Pond Hunter radio broadcast on iTunes, on Blog Talk Radio. Um, give me a follow, if you would, maybe even a review, if you would. I would appreciate it. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. All of those you can find me at Slash the Pond Hunter, and my website is fullserviceaquatics.com. And I look forward to 
seeing you all next time, everybody. And tonight, I'm going to leave you with a song like I always try to do. Tonight, we have the local natives, so stick around. I'm going to play a song, and then I'll do the closing and catch up with you all next time. Thanks for tuning in. Here's some local natives for you guys.
been listening to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, broadcasting Wednesday nights on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, keeping it pondy for the aquatically obsessed. That's right, everybody, keeping it pondy for the aquatically obsessed. Keep it pondy. Yep, you can say that again. Got waterfall? Yes, I do. Good night, everybody. We'll catch you next time on the Pond Hunter Radio broadcast for episode 26. Catch you later.